Chariot Solutions Business of Technology podcast number two for Monday, October 7th, 2013. Susan McPherson of Fenton on the benefits of practicing corporate social responsibility. Is mobility part of your business's future? Chariot Solutions can help you make the decisions you need to put you on the right path. Visit us on the web at chariotsolutions.com slash mobile. Coming up on October 30th, 2013 is the Chariot Data.io conference. Data.io showcases how to leverage today's applications and open source frameworks to connect millions of devices, things, and people, and with any luck, make some sense of all the data being captured. We'll show you not only how the pieces fit together, but also why these platforms are capable of doing what they do. Register today at emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com slash data.io2013. Susan McPherson has always had a foot in the nonprofit world. With a number of years in a board position on the Business Council for Peace and working with Fabian Cousteau to help people understand the importance of the oceans, at Fenton she was able to start helping corporations use these tools that NGOs normally bring to advance the public good. Our interview begins by defining corporate social responsibility, discussing how technology companies are adopting CSR missions to both improve the environment and their bottom lines. We discuss B corporations, how companies best implement CSR plans, and avoiding greenwashing by being authentic in your goals. I'm joined today by our host, Tracy Wilson-Rossman. Let's begin the interview. Susan McPherson, welcome to the Business Technology Podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. One of the ways we found you was was a a recent uh, website honoring one of the 40 women to watch, and then you were published in Harvard Business Review uh, not that long ago. for example, talking about things like why companies should support the DOMA ruling um, and that you're very involved in CSR, corporate res- social responsibility. So why don't we start with just a little bit on your background? Sure. Um, well, the last three and a half so years, I've been um, heading up corporate responsibility practice at Fenton, formerly Fenton Communications, which is a 31-year-old social change communications firm, um, essentially helping organizations make positive change in the world. Um, and if you look at the last 31 years, I'd say up until about three or four years ago, the, the vast majority of clientele were NGOs and um and nonprofits and advocacy groups. It's been in the last three years because companies are truly making social good and social responsibility more systemic that has enabled our firm to authentically work in that space. So, I mean, I guess the definition is that uh, you're you're having your company do good things in the community, whether it's, you know, technical, uh, working in the environment, things like that. I mean, it's kind of a broad scope topic, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think there was a, a misnomer for many years that, that corporate social responsibility was writing a check to a nonprofit and then that's it. Or perhaps hanging a shingle out the window and saying you're, you're um, being good to the environment because you're recycling. And it's really much more than that. It's made up of so many different facets. But if we look forward, what we're seeing um, companies really um, push towards is becoming, making it systemic, making it part of the business as opposed to something that is siloed in a particular department or in a particular portion of the organization. And so many companies are, you know, uh, I guess, guided by Wall Street, guided by their stock price. So how does a company justify or at least um, have an ability to spend money on these programs 
uh, when it's so, in America at least, so driven by the stock market. And we don't see that going away anytime soon, but think about it. If you're using less supplies to make a product that you're manufacturing, in the end, you're saving money, right? Yeah. Or if you're using less water in the manufacturing process, you're actually saving money. If you're making a product that is um, socially responsible, study after study shows that consumers have a higher aptitude or a greater aptitude to actually purchase those products. So therefore, your sales could potentially increase. So I think what's happening now is companies and, and certainly the C-suite level is looking at this in a, in a more long-term focus where by making some changes now, you're actually going to reap immediate, if not you know, a little bit longer term benefit. So it isn't just about spending, it's about actually recouping and investing. Um, and I, I, I think you're, <clears throat> this is why you're also seeing developments of such things as B Corps, where companies are potentially going to be measured, not just on their, their um, financial output, but their social good output as well. Um, so Susan, you know, of course, we're going to be looking at this through our uh, technology lens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We we believe that um, technology companies seem to be a little more on the social, uh, have a little bit more around social responsibility. Uh, we see a lot of it coming from the open source mentality, mm-hmm. but also from larger tech companies like SAP and IBM actually have CSR departments. Um, why do you think that technology companies um, have, you know, lean towards this? Mm-hmm. Well, I... I, you know, there's several reasons why. One, they tech companies are hiring more than other organizations or, or other industries, so they have uh, tremendous pressure to be bringing in qualified, exceptional, um, smart, talented employees. Well, if you look at the studies showing what is important to millennials and to those just coming out of business school, the the top majority of them are looking for companies that are proven to be socially conscious. So if you're SAP and you're Microsoft and and HP, you want to be hiring the best and brightest. So obviously you are going to be doing what you can to be um, seen as positive in their eyes. So I do think that tech companies for that specific reason are stepping up to the plate. I think tech companies are oftentimes much more um, likely to take risks as well. Um, it's inherent in technologists. And I think also companies like IBM and SAP are making it part of their mission to invest in social innovation and social entrepreneurship because they are looking to find out what is the next big, big thing? What is the next technology that they need to be pulling into their, um, you know, into their worlds? I mean, GE has been notorious about this for years in, you know, finding new patents, et cetera. Well, a lot of that is happening you know, outside of these big companies, but it is the big companies, um, it's in their best um, interest to be integrating themselves with these new pockets of innovation. Hopefully that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Uh, One of the the, uh, phrases that you use was a B Corp, something that I'm familiar with, a lot of people may not be. Can you explain what that is? Sure. And and it's a fairly new um, kind of enterprise. Um, it essentially, it, it provides a framework, framework and a certification for companies that are wishing to benefit society as well as their shareholders. 
right now, when you invest in a publicly traded company, you're obviously looking at their quarterly earnings. You're looking at their traditional 10Ks, 10Qs. And B Corps and what the movement that B Corps are spawning is that there is this new type of corporation that is basically garnering the power of business to help solve social and environmental problems. Um, and you can go to bcorporation.net to actually get more information. But um, some, some name companies that are B Corps are, are Patagonia, which I think many of you have, are, are aware of, um, Honest Tees. Um, of course, I'm, I'm uh, Ben and no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ben and Jerry's Plum Organics, which is um, part of Campbell's Soup, um, Warby Parker. Um, so that gives you a good idea um, of, of differing B Corps. And is there some sort of, uh, you know, report that they provide a certain standard? Yes. Okay. Yes. And you, it's a rigorous application process. So clearly not everybody can, can, can apply and be accepted but it does give you goals in which to shoot for. Um, and I think it's, you know, up now there's already 830 B Corps in 27 countries across 60 industries. So it's, it, it's not something fly by night. It's, it's here for the long term. That's a great explanation. In your position, um, how are you uh, advising companies? Um, and if you can give us some examples, since we are a technology show, um, of tech companies that are getting involved, how you're helping them set up best practices. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we most like, and this isn't rocket science, but something that is so inherently important is to make it authentic. And whatever social consciousness, um, corporate responsibility, uh, building blocks you want to put in your company, regardless of your industry, you need to make it about the business. You need to have your employees involved and you need to have it both from the top down and the bottom up. Um, what happens is, is when, when you have something that's inauthentic or something that is just siloed, it could be potentially viewed as greenwashing because it is not built into the business. So we really stress doing a complete stakeholder audit. And when I mean stakeholder, I mean all of the people that are affected and involved with your organization. And so think about it. It would be your investors. It would be your board. It would be your partners. It would be your employees. It would be the citizens that are affected by your workplaces. So your local communities where you have operations, where you have your corporate headquarters. And you do an audit by finding out what is important to all of these individuals from the standpoint of environment, social uh, labor, all the issues that make up what would be a potentially socially conscious organization. And that may sound like a huge hurdle, um, but the data that you actually gain from that is going to be so vital for your future. Um, and it, it, it's just something that should be done. And successful companies do that, uh, and they do it every few years. Okay, so that would be, you know, one of the, the, the first, first things. Um, I think also look at your peer organizations. What are other companies doing in, from a socially responsible standpoint? And how can you aspire to be like them? Um, certainly, you know, we don't, you don't have to copy another organization. But if you just open your eyes and look what some companies are doing out there, it might spawn lots of different ideas. And get, I, I can't stress enough the importance of gathering and gaining your employees' insights. 
because in the end, they're your most important constituents and studies show that they are going to be more engaged, um, less likelihood for, um, for quitting and moving on if they're feeling that they are working for a company that has a broader interest besides the bottom line. You know, there are some companies out there um, that are kind of uniquely uh, configured, especially in the tech world, to be focused on CSR almost exclusively. I'm, I'm thinking of things like Code for America. Um, what, what kind of things are you seeing out there like that? Well, Code for America is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very successful um, social entrepreneurship um, and social enterprise founded by a really brilliant woman, Jennifer Palka, who comes from the tech sector. So she had the wisdom of you know, working in that very fast-paced environment, taking the importance of the work that tech innovators do and bringing it to helping to fix our municipalities um, and bringing you know, young coders to come in and help fix um, you know, the, our mayoral offices and our city governments around the country. It is funded by, a, you know, I, I don't know the specifics behind who funds it, but I know it's funded in a great measure by technology companies. So that would be something, yes, I mean, it's a tech, it's tech focused, but it's a nonprofit. Um, when you think of tech corporations that are doing really good things, I mean, Microsoft has year over year, it has the, and I have to word this correctly, has the largest number of employee match. In other words, employees give per, per person more than any other company out there. And, and perhaps somebody wants to double check my, my, uh, my math there. But if you look year over year at what Microsoft's employees spend to help charities all over the world, it's, it's exceptional. So Microsoft's doing a very good job internally communicating to their employees so that they know those matches, match funds exist. Sometimes when you get to a, if you're working at a corporation that has 100,000 employees, it's very difficult to communicate with all of them. Um, other examples, HP is using its, um, its cloud data to help an environmental nonprofit, Conservation International, do, um, do data tracking. Um, all over the world, which is helping communities in developing nations. Um, IBM, IBM has been socially conscious since the get-go. I mean, they have been supporting um, marriage equality and, and same-sex marriage benefits long before other corporations were. So, I mean, these are specific technology companies doing very innovative things. Um, Dell runs uh, the Duen Network, which is a, a Dell Women's Entrepreneurial Network. Um, which is all about helping women entrepreneurs succeed. Um, and not just in the United States, but around the world. They hold events. Um, they provide tool sets for women entrepreneurs. I mean, I look at that as very cutting edge. And um, I mean, I could go on and on and on. I think I mentioned earlier SAP and GE support a variety of social enterprises, social entrepreneurs, um, because they look at that as ways to gain innovation themselves and bring innovation into the organization. So where would you say people would start if they're, you know, in a company that isn't really doing any or very little uh, social responsibility in their organization? How could they start and how could they kind of be that initial person to win over some of the right people? Well, are you thinking in a mid-sized company? Yeah, or let's, a let's call company? it a mid-sized company because, I mean, we, we do have a fair number of mid-sized companies as uh, people sure. listen to the podcast. Well, I know we don't think of Facebook as a mid-sized company because of its valuation. <laughs> However, right. 
uh, they just founded internet.org, which came, was announced and had some, there was some controversy around it because many thought, you know, many claimed that it was just a way for uh, Mark Zuckerberg to get more people on Facebook. But internet.org, which he founded, is also a way to get people onto the internet superhighway, so to speak. And there's still millions of people around the world that either are using a dial-up or not having immediate access. And so it's something called, you know, the net neutrality to get more and more people or, or the, the, I'm sorry, not net, the, 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 the digital divide. And internet.org, is, uh, its goal is obviously to help change that. So regardless of the reasons for Facebook doing this, the end result is extraordinarily positive in the sense that you will have more people that have access. Um, and Facebook is, you know, a, a mid-sized company at this point. Um, but your question, uh, referring back to your question about what can a specific individual do in a mid-sized company, um, I think it's extraordinarily important to communicate with whoever the powers of B are at the organization. Um, your HR department, your corporate communications department, go right to the CEO's office, uh, again, depending on the size of the organization, and make a case for why you feel this would be beneficial to the organization. And I, I always advise baby steps as opposed to, you know, trying to solve the world's problems uh, day one. Um, but anything from an employee, you know, volunteer drive to, um, you know, a bake sale, there the monies can go to benefit a local charity. You will be amazed at the the positive good that comes out of it. Um, there was a book that came out last year by a gentleman by the name of Adam Grant. He's a professor at Wharton about a uh, called give and um, give and take, and he proved in numerous studies and throughout the book that giving is actually really good for all of us, and it actually makes you more efficient. Um, we tend to think is when we take time to quote-unquote give that we are taking away from other things that we could be doing to be productive, when in actuality the act of giving makes you that much more efficient in everything else you do. So when you go walk into your CEO's office or your, HR's, um, you know, your HR team's department, come armed with some data that can showcase why what you're proposing is going to help the business over the long term. And um, there are some websites, right, that, that kind of uh, focus on this. Um, Absolutely. What are the biggest ones to go take a look at? Well, I would definitely recommend Guardian Sustainability. Um, Guardian has been, you know, the, the, the British newspaper um, opened up into the United States a couple years back, but Guardian Sustainability recently started a U.S. section, um, and it's just a wealth of data. Triple Pundit is another. Uh, JustMeans.com. Um, fast Coexist. So it's Fast Company, but it's Fast Coexist. Mm -hmm. um, and I would suggest, of course, I would say Fenton, the firm that I work for. We have a, a vibrant blog. Um, and then, you know, even things like Forbes and Bloomberg are starting to publish more and more around corporate responsibility and social good. So um, I know we, we talked a little bit about your background. How did you get into this specific thing? Was it by working at Fenton or, uh, you know, you said that they had been doing this for 30 years or doing something along the lines of corporate responsibility, maybe before the term was yep. uh, minted? Well, I, for years, had been working in the corporate world, but always had a foot 
in the nonprofit world. I was on the board for the last uh, eight years of an NGO called Be Peace, Business Council for Peace. And I was always volunteering and helping other organizations. Um, my significant other is the grandson of Jacques Cousteau, um, Fabien Cousteau, who's dedicated his life to the oceans and to helping people understand the importance that our oceans bring to all of us. So, um, for instance, the work I've done with him. Um, so all of that, you know, that kind of social good side of things was just part of who I am. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to go to Fenton, uh, again, Fenton had played in the social good space, but mainly from the environment, I'm sorry, from the, um, the dot org, the, the NGO side of things. And so I had the opportunity to go there and help them take all that good work they had done helping um, NGOs advance causes and be able to work with corporations that wanted to use those same tools. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it definitely does. And so I would say coming to Fenton was my, you know, it was basically bringing all the pieces together when previously they were disparate. Um, so Susan, I mean, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. Okay. Um, but we'd like to say, um, ask, is there any uh, closing thoughts that you could offer companies um, either if they're they're getting into this or if there's anything else that you feel that you can talk about the future of CSR. Sure. Um, well, I see the future of CSR, certainly in the tech community, as one of coopetition, where perhaps what would traditionally have been competitors could be working together to solve global problems. For instance, when you have tech companies working together to solve the issue of conflict minerals, um, where you see, um, you know, Intel and a variety of other technology companies coming together to help um, educate girls around the world through the Girl Rising movement. Um, you, you, I think, don't don't put anything out of the ordinary. Like, if you're a CEO or you're a an executive of a, a small, medium, or large sized corporation, anything is possible. And if we're going to be solving global problems. Business needs to have a major seat at that table, and business can and still be authentic. So, I mean, though that that would be my kind of mantra to the to the corporate, certainly the tech world. Well, that's certainly a hopeful um, way to to close our show today, and we really appreciate your time. I loved it. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Susan. Thanks to our guest, Susan McFenton, for speaking to us about corporate social responsibility. You can find this podcast, The Business of Technology, episode number two, on our website, emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com slash bizcast. There you'll find each show in the series. You can find her on Twitter, where she runs a bi-weekly CSR chat. She's at SusanMCP1. And on her Twitter profile page, you'll find a link to her personal website, where she provides links to her writings. For the Business of Technology podcast, I'm Ken Ripple.